United States submarine base at Key West, Florida. The dispatch that quoted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Cross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Cross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects exist. You start. Okay. Hey, what's up? My name's Noelle, and I heard... I don't know if you guys have been watching Grimes on TikTok. Um, It's some of the worst shit you'll ever hear in your whole entire life, because she's really hashtag going through it since her breakup from Elon, and she's written songs about it, and she's online ranting and being... She's clearly really upset about it. I mean, I don't... Girl. But anyway... As she's trying to make pseudo-intellectual nonsense sound correct out of her dumb fucking stupid mouth, she then quotes Dune when referencing the anxiety she now has by being online because, you know, she used to be a quote-unquote communist and then she ended up dating the one of the richest yeah, men she's in the world. Princess having, of Capitalism. Yeah. Princess of Apartheid. Yeah. Um, she's like, you know, I have anxiety about being online now and it really upsets my team, but, you know, like, fear is the mind killer. And I was like, I hate this. I fucking hate this. So anyway, I am hearing Grimes quote Dune and immediately wanting to end my life. And I'm Chelsea. I'm feeling vindicated that I always found Grimes just a little overrated and insufferable. I, you know what? I want to agree with you so bad now, but I know that that's my current vision of her, but like also your breathing, is, your breathing is doing the thing. Is again, it doing so. it? I don't know what the fuck is up, man. You're, I just want to apologize. I'm going to move the microphone like above my mouth. There you go. That's probably smart. Um, I will but, say, the, the most memorable thing, sorry to cut you off, but the most memorable thing oh, yeah. about when we went and saw her uh-huh. was when Alex got hilariously drunk. Yeah. And we took the Uber home. That was a nightmare. I um, had a great time. Um, well, that was, she was touring on Art Angels, which is arguably one of her best albums. Visions in 2012 and Art Angels in 2015 are some of her greatest shit. And... I was obsessed and in love, and then she had to go and break my fucking heart by dating Elon. And honestly, maybe just being her true authentic self, because um, there have been a bunch of sleuths online putting little Miss Claire, that's her name, Mm -hmm. putting Claire out to dry, talking about how she's always been like a silver-spooned cunt. Well... Yeah, I would believe it because, I mean, one way or another, she found herself rubbing elbows with Elon Musk. And you're not going to do that if you're really a communist of the people. But I, I, the last time I listened to her music was actually at that concert years ago. But I just feel like I've heard better shit from like the birthday massacre. Um, who I get, I might be completely wrong. I may be confusing her sound with someone else, but I would say if you like Grimes, listen to Birthday Massacre because I think they're way better. And I would say if you like Grimes, listen to Poppy. Dope. I don't know. Well, I don't know who that is. You know who Poppy is. She was doing weird shit on YouTube for a second, but then she like got free of whatever bullshit contract that was, mm-hmm. and she was putting out weird like 
hyper pop, but in 2020, she put out a, I don't want to say it's metal, but you know, she was, this was the cover. She's in kind of um, corpse paint and the songs are a little, a little more heavier than her old shit. And she actually has a song with fucking Grimes, but I love it. I loved Poppy's 2020 album, and it definitely filled the void of the, where Grimes used to be. That's fair. Uh, I just I don't know what I. It just it just wasn't my thing. Like I'll listen to pretty much anything, except I really hate techno music. I can get behind that, but. I just it just wasn't for me. But if you like Grimes, I Mike Grimes' music, I think that's fine. There ain't no gatekeeping here. Yes, there is. Except for capitalist princesses. Yeah. Because why can't it be me? I'll hate them until I become them. <laughs> I don't okay. I'm gonna I was talking to my mother about this the other day. I was like, you wanna know the only thing that's come along with my old age? I'm not money motivated anymore. Maybe it was, you know, being in financially abusive relationships with with people, or maybe it's this crystal clear understanding of the enslavements of capitalism. Mm-hmm. I could give a fuck less. It's I just want enough to pay my bills and put food in my mouth. And, like, a little extra would be fine. I mean, like, I have a little extra and, you know, I'm just like, that's fine. That's totally fine. I can see that. Yeah, my goals have become less financial. So what it's do you like, mean by that? Well, it's like, you know, when you're growing up, it's like your goals should be everything that you needed to attain had to do with money. Like, being able to get a house or having, like, a car or a mm-hmm. boat. A lot of my goals now are less financial in the sense that um, I really couldn't care less about that kind of stuff. Like I am blessed with a nice home that my partner has provided to me, but um, I agree with you, like the just being comfortable. But I also think that's a millennial mindset where we've been conditioned to not expect anything lucrative. I just want Puffin to be happy and healthy, man. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I I also think that it comes with that eye-opening, that the boomer mentality of a house, you know, the white picket fence American dream just isn't, yeah. it's not, it's not attainable. And also it's not even, it's not happiness. Like that's not mm-hmm. happiness to me. Monetary goals don't make me happy. Like I just don't. And I'm not a frivolous spender. I don't like have a shopping addiction. I barely buy myself new clothes. I don't care. Um, I think for a minute I had a problem with plants, but I've even slowed down on that. And by slowed down, I mean like I haven't gotten any lately. Mm -hmm. I just keep what I have and got to just stealing plants from the public by clipping leaves off and propagating them myself. And um, I shop at, like, the cheapest food store, like a Winco. Mm-hmm. I just don't, you know, I'm not. And I I honestly, this and this speaks to the way my brain works. Like, I love going out. I love, like, partying. I love hanging out with people. I love going to the clubs and the bars. But I hate spending money. 
I hate spending money. I fucking hate it. I get uncomfortable every time my card gets swiped. If it's over $20, I'm feeling uncomfortable. Even if I have like $1,000 in the bank, I don't feel good like spending yeah. over 20 fucking dollars. And I can obviously spend more for other people easier. Like it's that's easier for me, but like I was telling you today, I felt like such a potato. So I went to go get like a black blazer and I went to Zara, which is supposed to be like affordable. And after tax, it was almost like $80. It was like $76, but I was like already at the register and it was the one thing I had. It's like you're obligated to buy it at that yeah. point. And I was like, yeah. but then I immediately walked out of there and felt like horrible. I've gotten buyer's remorse. Um, everybody heard it live with the Spencer Pratt bracelet where it's like the playing the fast and loose and then just feeling obligated to go through with it. But also they have a really um, unreasonable return policy. I, I may have, I do like shopping. I like having getting stuff, but I think I like getting the stuff. I don't think it's like necessarily anything big. Um, like I could order a chapstick and then it comes and I'm like, Ooh. Yeah. That's where you need to get on that. Like, I feel like, people who suffer with that just the things you just have to get on like aliexpress and make microtransactions yeah <laughs> you know what I, mean? I do like, i do get my groceries delivered and that little boost of serotonin um ordering everything for christmas has really sent me into quite a tailspin because i'm having so much fucking fun getting like a package every other day mm. but i definitely need to curb that yeah um before i financially ruin myself yeah It'll happen. But speaking of financially ruined. Yeah. Speaking of financially ruining people, let's talk about religion. This one was actually a requested episode and it's going to be a little bit more of a relaxed fit, I dare say. Mm-hmm. Um, and by relaxed fit, I mean, it's just going to be sad truths and not fun conspiracies or cryptids. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to open up our discord real quick and see who requested it out. It doesn't matter if you requested this. Thank you so much. Um, we are. Bringing in Mother Teresa. This was requested on Discord. Everybody get on the Discord channel because it's a little bit more personal. Um, oh, than the my Facebook God. Group. Yeah. Top of the episode uh, stuff. You oh, can yeah. get the link to the Discord through our link tree, which is in the bio of our page on every social media, whether that's Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. You can find it there. You can also find a link to our Patreon. A dollar gets you in. You get a new episode every week. You also get some Patreon (laughs) gifts and goodies. On that link tree, you can find our individual socials. That's Sith Lord. I'm Noelle Fain. And then you can also find how to listen to us on all audio streaming platforms. You can get a link to our merch site. Or you making sure a- our merch still looks good. Haven't checked it in a while. Oh so God, there's probably like right one shirt up. <laughs> or you can Maybe. get a link to Kelly's stickers and pin for us. She is Wildwood Owl on Etsy. And I'm, oh, we also have a link up to the Secret Santa, but I think that might be at capacity and close. So sorry. Um, <laughs> that Definitely happens. go take a look because yeah, I think. Try it. Try it out. Yeah, it should be okay. Um, everything's still up in the store, but they took down our, I'm not seeing our cult member stuff. 
Love it's that. It's so weird. They don't. So we did get, they did think that the Krampus design could have been ripped off. But since I made that. Also drinking wasn't. water on Discord. I don't think that's their real name. <laughs> the drinking water on Discord. <laughs> Thank you, drinking water on Discord. Um, may we all stay hydrated and yeah live our best lives so let's they requested this episode so thank you for that yeah thank you for giving us like a request because sometimes coming up with content can be kind of hard because i get into scary places on the internet and then noelle's not happy with me that is very true we have multiple documents and a whole entire request thread on discord with people asking us to do certain things and sometimes we lose chelsea in the sauce and then sometimes i'll be very real with you I start reading something and then I fall asleep with a book in my hand and then we never get to finish the episode. And that just is what it is. You know, I'm getting close to middle age and it's hard to study Mm -hmm. sometimes. I too am in my twilight years. And you know, when you get old, it's hard to learn new things. So we are definitely going to talk about mother Teresa today. Um, I learned I knew she was unpopular, but I never looked into it. What I am learning today, I am learning for essentially the first time. I'm actually excited for this because um, Drinking Water's comment was, uh, they want to know your, you specifically, like your thoughts mm-hmm. on Mother Teresa being evil. And I, I do think this is going to be a fun conversation just based off of where we are individually as people, yeah. where you know you come from the more religious side and I come Mm -hmm. from God is a fake like Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. Um, And if there's one thing that most religious people can get behind and dare I say almost all religions unanimously, not just Catholics, like Christians and, you know, people of the Jewish faith and even like Muslims and Hindus will look at, what mother Teresa did and her legacy and be like, yeah, she was a, like a great person. She was a humanitarian Mm -hmm. Um, to some people. She was like a living saint and she, no matter what religion you believe in, and even to some atheists, potentially they, they don't care about the religious aspect of it. They just look at her as like a good kind person she she was popular in religion the way that like gandhi was popular in religion where all religions can get behind the person because what they thought was really good and that's what i saw like i'm i'm old and crusty enough that i remember mother Teresa being on tv and i remember seeing news reports about her i don't know if i remember her death it was in 1997 how old was i then nine i don't know i mean i do I hmm, I remember the aftermath of her death, um, less about her death, more about the aftermath, because unfortunately, as some of you may know, um, I was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. and just like how um, my Catholic family mourned the death of Princess Diana, rest in peace, they mourned the death of Mother Teresa, and... Mm-hmm. It was a lot of conversation about will she become a saint? That was a big controversy Controversy after she died. That was happening in kind of people of the Catholic faith. Um, they were wondering what they were going to do to like honor her. Yeah. Um, I remember that being a, like a big talking point. Um, I do know that like, 
there were some like big spectacular mourning ceremonies for her Mm -hmm. um but i just like the un secretary at the time after she died said she is the united nations she is peace in the world um and she has set the highest example of service to our to humanity um which that's what the prime minister of pakistan said which is like again showing very surprising the the reach of her yeah um so i mean she she wasn't all bad we can go into we're we're gonna go into the origins of mother Teresa. i think Um, she was but i would love to hear why you think she's not yeah well oh we will do it it. but let's let's go with the way way back please so as we all know there are many different sects of christianity that exists today but one of the most fascinating are the uh, fraternities of penitents that stem from the Roman Catholic uh, religion. And these flagellants have a very flagellance. I know I'm going to say flagellants and it's just going to be farts because I have your colonoscopy on the brain. (laughs) Um, So these fart factions have a very distinct worshiping style where they whip themselves to a pulp in order to repent their sins and share in similar suffering that Jesus endured at the crucifixion. Yeah. This is a big popular one with, um, I almost want to say, like, this is so blasphemous, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm actually not. I don't care. Drinking but... my wine. <laughs> it's almost like Hasidic Catholicism is, like, that's what self-flagellation is. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the greatest examples I've seen recently, like in the last few years, was in the A24 movie Saint Maud, where she puts nails in her shoes and um, is walking through this boardwalk area, and she's almost euphoric with pain, um, feeling at that point she is the closest to God she's ever been. Um, or the broken glass on a mat as you kneel on it to pray again, it's like they feel almost a euphoric high from the pain feeling like in that moment, they are the closest to, I wouldn't necessarily say God. I would probably say Jesus here um, in that kind of the vein of suffering is what puts them together. Yeah. I think my first introduction to it, and I don't know if this is common or not, was the Da Vinci Code with that priest Silas who does this. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? I would say with the cat of nine tails, I would say that's arguably one of the most, everyone's big introduction to it. Yeah. Um, There were, I don't, I don't know what it was about like my, my leaving of the Catholic faith that made me hyper aware of this extreme version of worship. I, I'm not sure if maybe it was something I sought out while I was leaving as proof of mm-hmm. like the hypocrisy and craziness, but yeah. I, I knew about it. Maybe there's some trauma there, like a therapist needs to dig up, but I knew about the self-harm to to the love of Christ. Like I I knew that that was a a gateway that religious heretics would fucking go down. Yeah. It's like those snake religions where they just let the snakes bite the shit out of them. It's like forced suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's old. It's really fucking old in, in churches. Um, And these fraternities specifically give up 
everything, all their material possessions, and they choose to live a life of modest means and only exist under the umbrella of the support of the church. And these people hold a strong religious belief that in order to grow spiritually and repent their sins, they must partake in these rituals of suffering. Well, I don't blame them for like going down this this path because they're specifically with like the Catholic faith, they almost say blatantly that like suffering, human suffering is a chance to follow the example of Christ. Mm -hmm. And that suffering is just a part of God's plan. Suffering is a trial. And through those trials, you find faith, hope, and love to continue. Through suffering, an individual can find their identity, and that is their identity in Christ. It is Christ to the Catholics is suffering. The two things Mm -hmm. are synonymous. And to think like they they literally just say that outright that like that's the foundation principle of catholicism is suffering well even looking the differences between like the crucifix and just a regular cross like the image of jesus being nailed to the cross is used in catholic religions because that's such a poignant part of the foundation of their beliefs, it is suffering. Like you suffer for heaven. Yeah. You suffer for heaven. You suffer for love. You suffer for redemption. You suffer Mm -hmm. for guidance. Like everything in the Catholic faith, like I'm not even fucking kidding is wrapped into suffering. Yeah. And you know, there are people take the Bible so literally in so many different ways. It's like, it's not even, Honestly, it almost feels like to me, like self-flatulation in Catholicism is almost like being LDS and not drinking coffee. Like it's just a part of the tenets. It's like, yeah. Well, every religion is imposing the suffering. I mean, look at tithing, like you're giving your money to the church and it's not meant to, it's supposed to be like a joyous giving, but you're still giving, like, even if you're in financial dire straits you're still expected to tithe that is like a form of like financial suffering so like every religion does impose part of this so like living in mass wealth is technically not something you should do in christian religions like unless you're a priest yeah unless you're a priest um (laughs) fucking self like those evangelicals So in the 13th century specifically, the Black Death spread across Europe and Asia, wiping out a whopping like 25 to 50 million people over the short course of five years. And this is where self-flagellation really took hold during the time, where entire mobs of people would attempt to fight the devastation of the plague by doing wandering mobs of self-punishment from town to town. This is some of my favorite historical facts about the plague. Um, be, and and you can't blame them. Like the, obviously, I, man, I went and got Reiki for Puffin because yeah, you you got like Reiki you for your dog. You resort these, to shit to get rid of suffering, man. Yeah, like they were just like any everything that we're doing isn't working. Like let's let's throw it all at the wall and see what sticks. And yeah, this this part of history is so wild because it's also obviously how the plague continued to spread because they would have these traveling priests go town to town like 
Unclean, these, unkempt, like, yeah. yeah, like literal couriers of the plague. <laughs> Literally, like like a traveling circus, but it's all holy men who mm-hmm. come into the town square to do self-flagellation rituals in hopes to cleanse that town of whatever horrible thing that they've obviously done. Because that's mm-hmm. the only reason why the Black Plague is coming and sweeping out humanity. And and, and in doing that, you know it brought all these people around to watch and then of course you know the best part is that that's how it continued to yeah, spread because they were traveling in a caravan of like 20 yeah. fucking priests unwashed coughing sneezing mm-hmm, on each other mm-hmm, with unsanitary mm-hmm. conditions yeah. and then going into a town square and doing the same thing yeah, but on, on the call was coming from inside the house the it always time. is baby it always is um, the Roman Catholic Church technically condemned these practices, but, I mean, punishment is still revered in religion today. Yeah, they uh, condemned it in the same way that they condemn pedophiles. They go, yeah. you guys, stop it. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, and the best example of this cult of pain that we have seen in our modern lives goes hand in hand with Mother Teresa. And if you grew up early enough in the 90s, like we said, you'll remember in the news all the time. She was mm-hmm. fucking everywhere. And it, it literally wasn't until research of this episode that I started to hear more of the details about her criticism because people would criticize her. But it was also like people would criticize her the way that people criticize priests or the people criticize like religion in general. It's always just like a blanket of criticism. And you get so used to hearing it that it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of what gets criticized about modern religion. I hear it enough and I do agree with it that I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like I, pedophilia is terrible, but you hear it so often and it's like, I don't want to sound like, but it's like you get so desensitized to like accusations of like the fucking Catholic church and pedophilia, but that by the time you hear it, you've heard it so often that you don't distinguish details anymore mm-hmm. as horrible as they they are and with mother Teresa, there wasn't really details she was just lumped in under the umbrella of the catholic church being shitty yeah and that's what i always thought it was was just people don't like what the catholic church is doing she's a representative of the catholic church that's why she's unliked yeah i mean it's even so much more than that oh absolutely and and it's all 100 proven with mm-hmm. eyewitness statements and testimony but another thing that's I guess to keep in the back of your mind, if you are, you know, a child of the late 80s, early 90s, kind of in the heyday of Mother Teresa, there, and it sounds so silly to say, because obviously this country knows how to hate things much harder, but there was like weird prejudice against the Catholics. I mean, the greatest Uh example was JFK, no one wanted to support him and elect him because he was a fucking Catholic. Yeah, they thought the Vatican would start to run the United States. Yeah, like that fear is a little a little real. I mean, Plot obviously- twist, conspiracy, JFK was the last American president that was for the people and not run by shadow government means. I would agree with that completely. I would absolutely. And honestly, he was so for the people. That's why he got his fucking head blown off. Yep. RIP to a real one. Yeah, um, one out. But there's also a bit of of that to think about. The just overall people didn't really love like while everyone agreed that Mother Teresa was like a great like kind humanitarian 
there was also a bit of like, well, she's just a fucking scummy Catholic. Yeah. So the, there was a lot of dismissal to the rumors of her being bad because that people would just think like how you thought, oh, yeah. she's just being lumped in with the anti-Catholic sentiment. And that was honestly like a very safe place for her, I think. Like being a representative of the Catholic Church, but just falling under the umbrella of like disdain for religion in general. Um, she was a lot of the things that she was doing wrong were dismissed as just general dislike of the Catholic church. And I think that did protect her. And I think that protects her even now. Absolutely. The same way that flat earth fucking protects Antarctica. Oh, you Jesus. know what I mean? Every time. <laughs> so, and I'm only going to say her real name one fucking time. We're referring to her as mother Teresa the rest of the time. Go for it. But mother Teresa was born. Agnes Gonje Boyagiyu on August 26, 1910 in Northern Macedonia. If I said that wrong, I listened to a YouTube video telling me how to pronounce it and I wrote it out phonetically, but fuck you if it's wrong. Great. Um, by most accounts, like Teresa was pretty set on being a nun from an early age and like fully committed to that by the age of 12. She would make small pilgrim pilgrimages from um, her home in Macedonia to the shrine of the Black Madonna in Kosovo and stayed consistent in her decision to live her life in the Abbot. And she was 18 when she finally left home for Ireland, which is kind of where she was for a very short while before she officially settled down in India. And that's where her career as a nun really took off. Yeah, she said specifically she had the call within the call to go to Calcutta, India. Mm -hmm. And this is like a a good theme for her is like very, she will continuously say that her life was dictated by these like inner calls. Mm -hmm. Um, So when she, so her first like real job as a nun was when she joined the sister of Laredo, which is a sisterhood dedicated to education. And it was here that she learned English. And after joining this sisterhood, it would be the last time Teresa really finally left like her home, her home home behind. And she never saw her mother or sister ever again. And her father had been dead, like dead for years at this point. He died when she was eight. So she was no longer Agnes. She was now Teresa. Mm-hmm. Um so in 1929, Teresa was pretty settled in in India. She learned Bengali, which I'm jealous that she can just fucking pick up languages in her adulthood. I've tried and failed, but she did two in her early 20s, English and Bengalese, I guess. I mean, there's something to be said about being completely immersed in learning a language versus like sitting down at night with your Duolingo app. Yeah, but I'm still jealous. I mean, as you should be, we are in the dumb American public <laughs> yeah. educational school We're system. hardwired for single language failure. Yep, absolutely. So she immersed herself in the culture and she assisted, like her job was basically just being a teacher at a school called St. Teresa's School. And it was here that she formally took her religious vows, which went down in 1931. And she tried to adopt. So when you become like a nun or a priest, you change your name. And so she tried to change her name to Therese de Lisieux after the patron saint of missionaries. But the name was already taken by another nun in her convent. God, copycat. So, yeah. So she had to go for the Spanish spelling of Teresa and the rest is history. T-E-R-E-S-A. Yeah. And... Although she was pretty happy being a teacher, India at the time was right in the middle of the Bengal famine of 1943, 
which only made the poverty-stricken population of the area suffer even more. And this would be like, if I could pick like one of the worst times to live in history, it would be (laughs) just this time about. Um, And the famine was completely devastating because people were already suffering the bullshit. Like this was right in the middle of World War II. And an estimated two to three million people died either of starvation, malaria, unsanitary living conditions, lack of health care, you name it, like the shittiest way to die. But you're in India. Britain leaves you to go fucking fight in World War II. You're left to your own devices. And then you're just dying of either filth or starvation. Yeah. And Mother Teresa said that she specifically like got the call from God telling her to go, you know, you are no longer a daughter or a sister or a friend mm-hmm. or a teacher. You are now on a mission to help the poorest of the poor. Yeah. And she was definitely bothered by living in her quote unquote ivory tower of being a teacher and then still being housed within the church that she couldn't really take it anymore. And it was during one of her trips to one of the neighboring cities that that's when she heard the inner call of her conscience. And this is the one that really pushed her to leave her position as a teacher and then live amongst the poor. Um, This was only one of many call within a calls. She had quite a few. This is the one that pushed mother Teresa into the path of like what established her is an international symbol in India. And the whole ivory tower thing, I would love to know how you feel about this because she says that the call that she received from God to help the poorest of the poor wasn't just to go be a sister missionary, you know, live in the missionary camp grounds on the church and then walk to the slums. It was, she, she felt like she was told by God to go into the slums themselves Mm -hmm live among them in it and work from there and a lot of people like that's obviously what made her have that spotlight from the jump Mm -hmm. because that was kind of unheard of and as someone like yourself who is religious to me I feel like this there's two there's two ways my brain wants to think about this very um, specific choice for her It was either A, she knew that this would be the path to get her international recognition because it was so unheard of um, and uncalled for and it would just bolster up the PR campaign that she was about to take on. Mm -hmm. Or, and this I guess would be like the more polite version of understanding would be that it was just whatever sliver of humanity she had at this point jumping out because I feel if I was out doing volunteer work in a country that was barely hanging on at this point, um, just what happened to them by the powers that be. And I had to walk from my, you know, we'll, we'll put it in a bit of a more modern frame, but like my, air-conditioned apartment where I just sat down and had a meal, washed my Mm -hmm. hands, put on my laundered clothes, and, you know, walked into the slums where children are dying in front of me because their water isn't clean. I don't think I would be okay to do that. I also feel like I would be like, fuck it, I'm in it with you because there's just like a part of your brain, I feel, that just 
couldn't fucking do it. It's just like if you're, you know, if if you're driving by like a houseless person and you've got a bag full of food and you're like, oh, I already ate it. I'm not going to finish this. And you're just like, do you want this? Mm-hmm. Do you want to take this? Here, have the rest of this. It's just like, it's it's almost the bottom level of humanity jumping out. And knowing what I know about Mother Teresa, Teresa now, there's part of me that thinks that she did this intentionally as like a bit of a PR stunt. Mm-hmm. But uh, what do you think? I'm okay with Mother Teresa up until this point. Um, and we'll definitely go into it. I don't think she had any skin in the game as far as PR stuff because she hadn't gotten attention at this point. Um, part of me wants to believe that she did genuinely want to help people um, at this point. I, there was definitely a once the dicks of the Vatican got involved, I think that's when the tables turned, when the money started rolling in. Mm-hmm. Um, because she was really putting her money where her mouth was. Like she gave up, I don't even think a, a nun lives a comfortable life, but the comforts that she did have, she did give up. Uh, she gained Indian citizenship at this point. She took basic, basic medical and first aid training at a local hospital. And she did spend all of her time in the slums of India. And since she didn't have fame at this point, she was literally begging for supplies. I think this is the last moment of when Mother Teresa was really doing actual good as a nun. But what ended up happening was the fame and the attention came in. And I think this is where it turns because the money started to roll in. And this is where my criticism of religion comes in is once it starts to make money is when I think you turn from religion and get into like some sort of like cult mentality or like true evil. Mm-hmm. Like I think evangelical, like born again, Christian mega churches are like the most evil thing to exist because sure. they're under like the guise of God and religion. Mm-hmm. I think mother Teresa was a mega church in one person. Once the money I, rolled in. I would agree to that completely. Yeah. And what happened is she's, the Vatican saw somebody who got a little bit of attention and then started to give her a little bit more power to not only get money and supplies for people, but a little bit more PR. And with that PR, she became the nun of the people who she used her image to beg for food along with the locals. But what went from begging to food with the locals turned into her being like a conglomerate for hospice centers, orphanages, leper houses, and more. She formed the Missionaries of Charity, which is an organization of nuns that Mother Teresa created. And those are all the people who wore the iconic blue and white saris that they all had, like Mother Teresa always wore it. And I mean, it had, and this is as of 2012, um, the Missionaries of Charity, which is, you know, specifically Mother Teresa's Roman Catholic congregation, mm-hmm. had over 4,500 nuns and was active in 133 countries. And this was as of 2012. I don't think anyone's counting anymore because no one fucking cares. Yeah. But it's crazy. It's crazy because what started as literally begging for scraps on the street turned into what's likely a billion dollar industry. Absolutely. And as the saying goes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions um 
Because once Mother Teresa got fame, she wasn't rubbing elbows with the poorest people in the world anymore. She was globetrotting around as a figurehead of charity and joining the most influential people in the world for lunch. She won a Nobel Peace Prize in the 1970s, and there wasn't really a peep about what was actually going on with her and her charities behind closed doors. So let's talk about where I think Mother Teresa turned. I want to say that, um, so there were two notable awards that she got and she keep in mind there's a laundry list you can go look it up there's literally hundreds of awards that she was given by different countries leaders groups organizations whatever because the catholic church literally picked her up and used her as their like their traveling salesperson Mm -hmm. essentially Mm -hmm. and in that that's how she was basically going on a press tour, like right before a movie comes out. And the movie was hide the pedophilia of the Catholic church, yep. put mother Teresa out. And so then she shows up to award shows and gets these things. She got um, the Roman Magasese, I think um, peace prize in 1962. And then, as you said, in 1979, she got the Nobel peace prize for quote, Work undertaken in the struggle to overcome poverty and distress, which also constitutes a threat to peace. Yeah. And also this is like her being used as a figurehead on the wave of like the satanic panic dying down. It was like the pendulum swinging the opposite way that we always see in pop culture. Like we had Barack Obama, like with the acceptance and then it's, and then we had like pop culture turning into PC culture. And now we, you have the pendulum swinging back with Trump. Like mother Teresa was very much the pendulum that swung opposite of the satanic panic. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure like there's Reagan photos with mother Teresa. Like she's, she's with everybody, even our precious, perfect Diana. I mean, yeah, everyone got gooped by her. I don't, I don't blame them. I do feel like there were some people who got gooped and then there were some people who were like, yeah, you know, we're both yeah. demons. And the thing that is scary, I think, about Mother Teresa is that she believed suffering made you closer to God. And that is very, 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 very dangerous to think, especially when you're making hand over fist in money while allegedly taking care of the poor and the afflicted. Dangerous to think for you. Um, I think par for the course for any devout Catholic. Obviously, when, you know, some Catholic family from Long Island uses the term like you know suffering gets you closer to god in your in your darkest times of suffering when you are on Mm -hmm. your hands and knees begging for the pain to stop and life to give you a break that is when you are the closest to god that is when he will reach down and touch you so yeah to uh anyone with an ounce of sanity Mm -hmm. putting your faith in suffering sounds menacing and just a perfect storm for problems um well to someone uh, you know like a catholic nun who's and, now making millions and billions of dollars traveling yeah, the world about it it was the fucking perfect the amount of money that mother Teresa made for the catholic church like in 1993 she brought in 2.5 million dollars that we know of that we know of right yeah. to the vatican yep and People thought this money was going into the organizations or to actually helping the poor. We all know that that wasn't happening. Um, and she was actually exposed in a, a new article from the New York Times 
which said that the missionary of charity organization that she founded is one of the richest in the world. But under her watch, quote, they used syringes or any used syringes were rinsed with cold water. Tuberculosis patients were not put in quarantine and pain medicine was not prescribed. And this is because some of the people who knew Mother Teresa best claimed that she not only believed in suffering, but she also thought that by allowing these people to die horrific and preventable deaths would allow them a journey that was pious and speedline straight to heaven. Yeah. And it was not a hospice home. It, it was, they weren't being made comfortable. No, it was a, it was a house of death. You mm-hmm. weren't coming. If you were taken to one of Mother Teresa's hospice centers of of kindness and caring you weren't going there to be treated and this was you know people were dying of hiv and aids leprosy tuberculosis malaria oh the big bigs and they got nothing stronger than over-the-counter medicine mostly they, the they would get a contaminated glass of water and a used syringe and they would be tied to their beds. A lot of children um, who had disabilities or um, mental issues would be dropped off there and they were literally tied to their bed and starved and would mm-hmm. often, you know, and then this was back in the day of exorcisms, you know, and they would just, they would be starved to death in, in that process. And you weren't going there to be treated. You were going there to die the most painful, horrific yeah. death known to it was- man. It was like, you know, when you go to an airport and you can either walk to your terminal or you get on those like flattened escalators where you can do like the twilight quick walk to your terminal. Yeah. Yeah. Mother Teresa didn't run treatment centers. She ran flattened escalators, querying you faster to death so that you could get to heaven faster. I mean, I know that this is a this is a tough thing to throw around, but like in a way, I do feel like she was she was doing like a fucking Kroger brand death camp. You know, mm-hmm. she wasn't turning on the gas in the showers, but she was starving people and mm-hmm. not giving them treatable, you know, medication that would immediately cure them. She was, you know, like tying up immune compromised people in a room mm-hmm. together and leaving them in silence and darkness. It was it was torture. Like, yeah, like I just drawing blood from one patient and then just rinsing a syringe under tap water before using it for the next one. Um, when you're bringing in that kind of money, especially for like a charity organization run by volunteers, like you're not having the overhead that you're thinking of like a regular medicinal center would have. Um, and in places like India and like some of these poorest regions, that money goes so fucking far and it was just not used for treatment. Yeah. It went straight into the pockets of the Vatican. I mean, when they were forced to like, they were, forcibly bathing i don't even want to call them patients victims in these and they refused to install water heaters and and so they were giving them like these freezing cold forced mm-hmm. tied down baths or washings which is like literally the same shit that got all of the institutions shut down in the united states you know what i mean yeah. like but because mother teresa was in front of it no one bad fucking eye no and it was also in like regions where like it wasn't necessarily white people suffering. So it was very overlooked. Um, and in fact, one of the volunteers, one of Mother Teresa's House of the Dying named Mary Ludon, 
was interviewed in 1994 and made the following statement about the conditions of some of the facilities she volunteered at. She said that he didn't have enough drips, the needles they used and reused over and over and over again. And you would see some of those nuns rinsing them under cold tap water. And when she brought up concerns about the lack of sterilization, Mary was informed that they weren't in the healing business. They were there to bring people closer to God. And the only way to do that was through true suffering. If they were meant to be healed, then sterilization didn't matter. And before anyone wants to point out that like, because this got so huge that Mother Teresa couldn't possibly oversee every single instance of like mistreatment in her facilities. It is important to note that she did promote this idea of suffering and promoted it often. And in fact, after she died, when some of her writings came to light, some of her letters, like she even doubled down on this thought. So here's another quote. This is a quote directly from Mother Teresa. And in fact, it's even better than a quote. She fucking wrote this. So we're not even misquoting her at this point. Love it. She wrote, sorrow, suffering is but a kiss of Jesus, a sign that you have come so close to Jesus that he can kiss you. I think this is the most beautiful definition of suffering. So let us be happy when Jesus just stoops down to kiss us. Yep. That's really like, good stuff. And it's like, <laughs> we're not talking suffering in the sense that you grew up like maybe in a bad socioeconomic status and you have to like, quote unquote, pull yourself up from the bootstraps. We're talking about like using AIDS needles on the same, like one needle for every patient in the yeah. ward, making like it yeah. worse, using AIDS needles on tuberculosis patients, vice versa. And her framing it in a way that this is Jesus embracing you, which yeah. as a Christian, like, whoa, like to, I, to promote that idea, but like, she's not saying it in a dirty way. She's saying, no, sorrow and suffering is being kissed by Jesus. Like she makes it almost sound like, yeah, you're fucking welcome. But then you peel back those layers and you're like, she doesn't mean sorrow and suffering in the sense that like, you're just having a bad life in general. She means sorrow and suffering and using the same needles to make you fucking worse. Yeah. She means physical, physical pain. She means real life, physical harm and pain. Not, I mean, mental pain come along like comes along with that but like she's talking about strapping you to a chair mm-hmm. for 48 hours mm-hmm. um you know like it's it, it's un unbelievable it's war crimes it's like uh, literally yeah. crimes against humanity um human rights violations and she's wrapping it up in in the bow of love from Jesus and i mean like the other thing about you know the whole she had 30 million in the bank and was taking uh, donations, quote unquote, from like people who were committed of like genocides. Like, I she do, didn't, yeah, she didn't fucking care. Like, let's let's actually get into that too, um, because she was fucking taking money from very, very, very bad people. So let's let's talk about the idea of indulgences. Um, indulgences is a really old school of thought in the Catholic religion, where the church claimed that you could more or less buy your way into heaven. I would compare it to modern day Scientology, where the more money you give, the more privileges you get. Mm-hmm. But with Catholicism, it was definitely in the afterlife. And this is where you get Martin Luther and the Reformation and nailing it to the doors of the church was basically like, you can't fucking do that. Like your status in the afterlife should have nothing to do with monetary value here on earth. So the emphasis is just basically like the more you give, the better you get in heaven. And in the documentary Hell's Angel by Christopher Hitchens, Audience 
audiences found out about some of the really shitty people that Mother Teresa hung out with and allowed them to fund her cause. And there were a lot. I wanted to pick what I thought was the worst one. Please. So this was a communist politician named Enver Hoxha. And he outlawed private worship in his area, even like Roman Catholicism. So it was very hypocritical of Mother Teresa to like even hang out with this dude. But he did even worse things like forcing Muslims or Jewish people to eat pork, which is 100% prohibited under Judaism and Islamic law. And he would also doing the, do this during times of Lent or Ramadan, which are super holy days, um, mm-hmm. both to Jews and Christians, but also like Ramadan for Islamic people, incredibly holy. And the, a lot of that stuff is on food. So what he would do is he would offer them outlawed food anyway. And if they didn't eat them, he would dub them as enemies of the state. And the amount of people who died under his regime or who persecuted or had to leave as refugees, um, we may never know because of how corrupt his reign as a politician was. Mm -hmm. And Mother Teresa didn't give two shits. She supported not only his political campaigns, but he was also one of her biggest financial supporters. And what happens when you support uh, Mother Teresa is that the Catholic Church, the world elite, they all turn a blind eye to what you're doing to people. And it was fucking atrocious. Like if this happened, this barely happens in some other regions and we are so fucking on it. Like, well, I don't even know, man. Like it just grosses me out too. like specifically, like not only banning religion in certain areas because that's where you get the whole christian fish thing and the christian faith which is like such a rudimentary part that you it's like one of the first things you learn when you start sunday school and the fact that mother Teresa would just turn a blind eye towards that imagine seeing like somebody that you revere like who's like who have we who are we old enough to like fucking realize like um like kim jong-un like hanging out with somebody like that much of a dictator and that horrific yeah. But everybody's like, no, it's fine because it's Mother Teresa. Yeah. She says that he's he's cool. So it's okay. Yeah. Um, and quoting an article from medium.com in an unpublished manuscript titled Mother's House, Susan Shields, who worked in the order of Mother Teresa, AKA the missionaries of charity for nine and a half years, narrated a very shocking testimony that in the homes for the dying, mother taught the sisters how to secretly baptize those who are dying. Sisters would ask each person in danger of death if he wanted a, quote, ticket to heaven. An affirmative reply was meant to consent to baptism. The sister was then to pretend that she was just cooling the person's forehead with a wet cloth, when in fact she was baptizing him, saying quietly the necessary words. And secrecy was so important that it would not become to known that Mother Teresa's sisters were baptizing Hindus and Muslims on their fucking deathbeds i mean this is what i'm saying when she says she was called to calcutta india there's a part of me that's like she was always nefarious yeah she wanted to go there specifically to do these uh, but then this this even brings us i mean let's even pretend that we're not talking about mother Teresa. Teresa, who's a fucking demon and let's just say like this is your run-of-the-mill christian or catholic missionary it's very to akin india. to like mormonism baptism of the dead yeah it's it's just like and I don't know if it's because like we have this kind of 2020 vision and we've like talked about, you know, mm-hmm. the gray area of missionary work in general. But if you are 
a true believer in, you know, like your Christian faith or whatever, and you go to an area that is predominantly a different religion, mm-hmm. do you feel conflicted? Like, because cause that's the whole point, right? You're supposed to be going there because you think that what they believe in is wrong. And your job is to convert them, to save them. And mm-hmm. you have to, in your heart of heart, believe that gospel to be true. Or else what you're doing is, you know, like what? Like, yeah. There's, there's even part of me that's like, what? That is so innately kind of evil to me. That, like, even if you truly believed in, like, your gospel or your Bible or whatever, if you, like, truly were a believer in that, that, like, just being kind to people should overpower, outweigh the need to convert people. I also agree. And I also think that, like, a baptism without consent is, like, a cake like all frosting, no cake. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Someone could come up to me and be like, you're baptized this now. They're like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, I'm not. Uh, I do think, I do think all of this is like gross. I wouldn't. And I was very surprised to see it because that's not like, we're not told that, you know what I mean? It's like, we don't get taught about the shitty things that people do. It's all just, I don't want to say it's whitewashed, but it's very much Westernized to the point of like, oh, look at what these like Western type religions are doing. Like we're doing all yeah. good. And then you find out, no, people think that they're being fucking bathed, you know, and they're being secretly baptized. That's gross. It's like a moral, I don't want to, I don't want to use the hard R word, but it is like some sort of moral violation. And I absolutely would agree that it's like a, a moral violation, yeah. if you will. And it, it by doing that, that action in itself erases any good intention you have. Yeah. And I think that that is like, I would say that both for the Mother Teresa um, baptisms of Hindus, I would also say it to, you know, our lovely friends at the LDS Church with their baptisms of the dead. Um, I think the action... The lack of consent Mm -hmm. is what immediately takes whatever good intention you had in doing that, even if you believed in your heart that it was true. It it takes that and it makes it evil. It completely erases itself. Yeah. I I think that like anyone, specifically like these nuns who are like quietly baptizing people, that's like just such a fucking just punching your ticket to hell, man. I think it's, I would, I would, I would agree to that, but I was also like the type of religion I was raised in. There isn't like an afterlife separate from like Hindus and Muslims. Like it was all just very much of like what you believe is where you go. So it didn't really matter like what you were. It was just Mm -hmm. the fundamental goodness. Um, I don't want to get in like, I don't know. I think this is gross, but it's also like another reason of why, like, I think organized religion is just like inherently bad, specifically like mega churches or any religious organization that's making money like this. It's the same way. Like you can take like the best person in the world, you turn them into a millionaire, billionaire, and they're become a bad person. Yeah, no, I would agree. And I mean, this is, we've talked about my stance on missionary work in the past, but this once again validates that, that I believe that um, missionary work is that double helix of what they, the people who do it probably think are good intentions. Yeah. But it's completely wrapped and tied up against yeah. um, horrific 
human actions. My and- opinion of missionary work is it should be all bra and no titties. Like you are supporting. You're not like it's it's an enemy of culture, really, and we see it like. Yeah. If you're doing true missionary work, you should never talk about God or your religion one day in your fucking life there. You Mm -hmm. shouldn't, you should keep your dumb little holy mouth shut. It should, you know, the holiness can stay in your mind and your holes stay closed. Yeah. Why can't your like tithing be time talent or timer talent, you know? Oh, because you know, you know why. You know why, just as I know why, because it, it never, just like we said, you know, if if I came to my religion and I said, you know, I'm on food stamps, I've got five kids and I live in a one bedroom apartment, I'm already working two jobs and I'm a single mom. Can I, I want to give tithing, I do, but I financially cannot. Yeah. Can I like offer babysitting services for, you know, the women in the no, Lord? No, because your tithing would mean so much more because you suffer more by giving your tithing. That's why your tithing is more fucking important than a rich ass person who it doesn't affect them at all. Their tithing isn't as important, even though it has a higher monetary value. That's what they want you to think, man. Yeah, that's what they package it up as. But at the end of the day, it's because those private jets aren't going to pay for themselves, baby. That's why cults of suffering that like get tied up into religion are just so fucking bad. Like it shouldn't hurt in any means. And you should feed your own fucking kids before you're tithing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's really scary once you realize what mother Teresa was doing and that's, she was opening her doors to terminally ill patients who were expecting free health care, but what they got was subpar treatment so they could be secretly converted to Christianity when they died. She created the Ford model of like, just, bringing them in, putting them on like the little excavator belt. You come in sick, you leave a Christian. I don't fucking care Mm -hmm. what happens in the middle. We are a meat packing plant and Mm -hmm. you're getting just grinded up and you're the ground beef of Christianity. Yeah. And why spend money on treatment when you're just sending freshly baptized souls to heaven in mass? It was like, it was like a mass sacrifice of Christianity. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. It it was like, it was showing up to the face of death and being like, yeah. can't wait to exploit you. Yeah, and she is a fucking hypocrite too, because in his book, The Untold Story, Arup Chatterjee states that Teresa always checked into the best hospitals when she was not well. In 1996, in cities Woodlands Clinic and Berla Heart Institute, early in Gormelli Hospital in Rome and Scripps Clinic in California, We are talking the best of the fucking best. She had a head cold. She was not being treated by anybody who didn't go to school in like the top five universities in the world. Well, yeah, she had heart attacks and got pacemakers and then had heart surgery. Yeah. And she was old as fuck, too. Like she was when when did she have heart surgery in 1990? I think it was right before her death. So she was her health was already declining. She was way like up in age, which automatically puts you, peace and love, on the bottom of the receiver of a fucking heart surgery. Yeah. Like, no, you are not priority. Sorry, it's baby. Like, but like she she 
Got it. She yeah. It's like Joe Rogan, man. In line. Shitting on COVID. And then the second he got a sniffle, he got every treatment known to man. To yeah, treat he showed up COVID. to the best clinic in the world, yeah. you know, with the best doctors phone in and said, give me everything you've yep. got. She yeah. did the exact same fucking thing. People would come in. She would be like, dirty needles don't matter. If God wants them to be healed, they'll be healed. And then yeah. she went to Harvard, Cambridge, Yale level universities. Yeah. Everyone can suffer besides her, which yeah. is fun. She went to where presidents and fucking <laughs> like you, like, you know, she went to presidents and billionaires. Like that's what she got treated in the same facilities. Yeah. Cause she was a billionaire. Yeah. So that's why, cause she forked and, it out for herself and you mm-hmm. actually, you know, um, so in 96, right before she died, she broke her collarbone and then, um, you know, was like experiencing some heart failure, had health, heart surgery, and then was still on the decline. And in these last, these last months before the end of her life, uh, she was given a exorcism with her permission. Um, like when she was first hospitalized with heart problems because they, she thought she was being under attack by the devil because there was no way that she was receiving the best treatment in the world and her heart was still failing. Oh my God. The snake oil. That is fun. Um, (laughs) Maybe it was just like the weight of her own hypocrisy was making her feel guilty. And she thought it was an exorcism. Yeah. I mean, necessary exorcism. If if we want to believe that God is real, then we can take comfort in knowing that she did suffer painfully. Mm, that's how uh, I know God is real. From 1983, <laughs> when she first had a heart attack, up until 1997, when she died, she was um, her health was on the rapid decline. Mm. I'll have to see it. Me too. So Mother Teresa suffered before she died, which she passed away on September 5th, 1997, and did have like a relatively long and healthy life. And she received the best care and accommodations that one could ask for and hope for. And I don't want to shit on the charitable works that she did early in her career too hard, but I really want to focus on the downfall of care once money become, became involved, because I think that's really when the 180 happened. And I think what's shitty for you and I, or just like anyone in our existence right now, is that it's it's heart it's it's honestly heartbreaking to think that what truly could have been one of the most influential women to live during our time ended up being just another fucking pawn of the political and religious elite who used her image to get money. Yeah. That's it. That's so shitty, man. Imagine finding out like if Princess Diana turns out to be like Fuck. I'm going to be so heartbroken. You You can't even say it's not. I don't even want to, but like how it's, it's sad that I felt sad after doing that, after reading this, because I always thought it was just the umbrella of Catholicism and why people don't like her. And I relatively agreed in the sense that, um, I, churches are too rich. You know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah, Yeah. whatever. I don't have a bone to pick with her because she's Catholic, but now it's like, oh yeah, she was actually awful. Um, and Despite all of this evidence coming out before she died, um, you know, the documents and documentaries and articles and write-ups were coming out in the early 90s and she died in the mid-90s. No one fucking cared because Mm -hmm. you may now know her as St. Teresa of Calcutta. 
because she was um, she was given sainthood September 4th of 2016. Um, for those who don't know, to become a saint, you have to have performed at least two miracles while you were on earth. And Her miracles are a stretch, too. I mean, all miracles are a stretch because they're not real, but they <laughs> some are fun. No. Some are like they got peeled alive, like they got peeled alive and they live for four days. That's fucking fun. That's that is. Yeah. Her miracles were that two different people claimed to have been healed by her by praying to her. Yeah. One in 1998 and one in 2008. Mm-hmm. So they're literally just like, it's just like if I said my headache was cured because I yeah. prayed to Mother Teresa and she got rid and of it. So if those people did get better, like whatever fucking good for them, I don't want to shit on whatever experience they had that healed them. I will. That, that's a far cry of sainthood. Some of the, I, I don't know. I, despite not being Catholic and never have been Catholic, I am obsessed with the stories of the saints. Some of them are so cool. Like, because they're heavy metal as fuck. There's a reason why the Catholics have Jesus weeping blood, um, malnourished and, and guts and entrails falling out. It's because they're heavy metal as fuck. So fucking hardcore. Just reading stories of some of the saints. And Maybe then when they said suffering, they meant it with a capital S. Yeah. And then we get this Kroger brand bullshit who used I dirty agree. needles. I feel wrong. <laughs> I know. Oh, that you prayed and you felt better. And now she's a fucking saint. And um, as if it didn't get any worse, September 6th of 2017. So almost a year later, um, her and St. Francis Xavier were named co-patrons of the Roman Catholic archdiocese of calcutta and both of those things to me are terrible because the community of calcutta india that she exploited and hurt and literally dragged through the needles and knives of suffering um is who she gets to die with Mm -hmm. and as and commemorated into the history books as the Saint Teresa of Calcutta. And mm-hmm. uh, I hope all of India and I and now you can just give her and everyone listening can give Mother Teresa the big fucking finger I, and point it down because if there is a heaven and hell, she's not above baby. She's she's rotten yeah. in the firing pits of and brimstone. I do want to end. I've got a dope quote from Christopher Hitchens, the guy who did the Hell's Angel. Also, watch that documentary. It's from the yeah. early 90s, so it's a little weird, but it was put on by volunteers who worked with Mother Teresa, yeah. and then they reached out to Christopher Higgins, who's the the most outspoken, hilarious it's, atheist of England. He's it's what Geraldo Rivera wanted his career to be, but somehow he got it. Absolutely. But Christopher Hitchens was doing like the real Lord's work yeah. by exposing this. I'm um, not believing in the Lord at all. So he wrote in 2003, I think he's less atheist and more anti, like anti-religion, so to speak. He, he's a pretty, he's a world-renowned atheist. Yeah. But he, the, the thing is, he's not like one of the, what did they call them? The four horsemen of atheism. Mm -hmm. He's not one of those guys who is out trying to, and this is someone, you know, I love when the atheists go off, but he doesn't try to belittle, um, like, yeah, religion. He tries to, yeah, he's, uh, he's very eloquent and scientific Mm -hmm. behind it. Like, one of his famous quotes is like, if God is real, then why do children have cancer? But yeah. read your quote. 
so he wrote this in 2003. Um, this returns us to the medieval corruption of the church, which sold indulgences to the rich while preaching hellfire and continence to the poor. Mother Teresa was not a friend of the poor. She was a friend of poverty. She said that suffering was a gift from God. She spent her life opposing the only known cure for poverty, which is the empowerment of women and the emancipation of them from a livestock version of compulsory reproduction. Her intention was not to help people. It was by talking to her that I discovered, and she assured me, that she wasn't working to alleviate poverty. She was working to expand the number of Catholics. She said, I am not a social worker. I do not do it for this reason. I do it for Christ. I do it for the church. Yeah, it's um, also I want to redact my statement. Christopher Hitchens is one of the four horsemen of the atheist revolution. Oh, yeah. One of the, the four horsemen of atheism are number one, your boy, Christopher Hitchens. Number two, Richard Dawkins. Number three, Sam Harris, who I used to love and has taken a dark, dark, deep, horrible turn. <laughs> and number four, Daniel Dennett, um, one of the the best i i totally spaced um check it out the conversation that sparked an an atheist revolution the four horsemen baby those are the i don't i've heard of richard dawkins i don't know if i've heard of the other ones um you've heard them all but the the reason why um hitchens like kind of leaves my mind is because like dawkins is like and and a little bit sam harris has been a fucking cunt lately and it sucks i used to love him um (laughs) but uh they're they're more aggressive and Mm -hmm. um like peace and love they'll they'll kind of say like things of you have to be a smooth brain to believe in god whereas like Hedgens is more of like based in he'll try to be factual rather than um hurtful if you will uh honestly like my opinion like my religious takeaway from it i my opinion hasn't changed about like organized religion at all i still don't like it as far as like what your personal beliefs are i think that it's just personal like that's why it doesn't bother me that you're atheist because like just the way that like my own personal beliefs don't bother you also i don't understand my own beliefs um but i am aboard that like what goes on in the name of religion more and more each day um, yeah, I was I think shocked if there's... to learn about Mother <laughs> Teresa. Oh, absolutely. And I think like if there's anything, if there's anything an atheist can bring a Christian, <clears throat> it's that rose-colored lenses taken off about religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think the most devout and like tried and true holy Christians are the ones who can look at all forms of organized religion and know that they are braided into corruption. Mm-hmm. And I think truly those people are, are the, are to me like the closest to God and I don't believe in God, but for them, yeah. when I think of religious people and I, and I put them on my hierarchy, you know, the Pope or a Bishop or a shaman, it, it's, they're not at the top. They're, yeah. they're not even close. The people up at the top who, if God is real, they're almost touching mm-hmm. fingers like that painting. It's, it's the people who, 
do it for themselves. They don't well, pressure it on other people and they can look at it objectively and agree that a lot of the times it's used for um, corruption and, yeah. and hate. I don't even want to sound hokey. This might sound hokey to me. Like Please. the closest sainthood is like your fucking mom flying up for a day to help you with your, your shitty colonoscopy or my mom <laughs> cleaning up my vomit as an adult in the middle of the night because I had a tummy ache. Yeah. Like that I feel like is like, closer to god than anything or like closer to any higher power just being like a good person or like being nice to animals like yeah you know like the the fucking bare minimum and i don't even think that people like mother Teresa or even pope francis do the bare minimum yeah no i would agree completely yeah because the people the people who do the most um they don't do it for their punch card to heaven. Yeah. They don't do it to be praised. They don't do it to be like, congrats on donating. They do it mm-hmm. silently for for the love of it all. Yeah. And um, they don't judge and they don't hurt. And the, it's those are the yeah. people. To it's me. just people existing good in life for the love of the game. Yeah, for sure. Like your precious, perfect mom. She is precious. I wish I could toast her, but I already finished. My, I'll drink a... I'll drink water to her. <laughs> drink some air. Yeah. She, uh, as I was like unconscious, she went and, uh, got new sheets for my bed and she, you know, all these, I've never heard things. anything bad about her. Even when she slapped you, I still think she's a hero. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's sweet. Oh man. What a gemstone. But yeah, there you go, everyone. Yeah, whatever. There. And this this is I picked two bad things that Mother Teresa did. There are so many of them. Um, what she did against like women's rights and everything. Like I picked two because I was very tired mm-hmm. today where I could only focus on two. But and honestly, is- like you could spend a lifetime talking about investigating and presenting yeah. the corruptions of mother Teresa Teresa because um at the end of the day that's all that she did yeah. in her life. So this was a sad one. I'm glad that you requested it, but just know that <laughs> just I had to drink wine and press at the same time while doing this episode. Normally I could just be happy. Normally I could just be stone sober. I was stone sober talking about Antarctica last week and I've never felt more alive. Now I just feel sad and tired. Um, I always feel alive when I get to talk about the corruptions of religion because it is my job to put a mirror in the face of um, the devout and say, hey, you're wrong. Just a friendly reminder that 100% of our proceeds are going to the Church of Satan Mm -hmm. uh, for their abortion campaign that they're doing in Texas because there's nothing more fun and spitting in the face of people who make billions of dollars corrupting religion than by giving um, a complete mockery of their hypocrisy money. So yeah, it is, it is a cause near and dear and truly like, I know a lot of people have um, a weird taste in their mouth when they hear the church of Satan. Um, well, I should say the satanic temple. You should have a bad yeah. taste in your mouth for the church of Satan. The church of Satan is Anton LaVey wearing yeah, capes, say the being Dracula, um, titties out. I do think it is fun and kind of metal, but it is um, the cosplay, the Halloween yeah. parties. Um, the Satanic Temple, TST, they are the ones, um, you know, the Church of Satan kind of low-key believes in Satan, um, and, that, and that's kind of why they do mm-hmm. their little silly things. Um, TST is a completely, like, atheist 
um, yeah. organization. It's not a religion. It's an organization. Um, and some of their like main goals or what I think is some of the coolest shit they do is use the same like laws, rules, and regulations that allow corruption of religion and mm-hmm. then use it against them. Yeah. So, um, so it's that what they're really doing is they have the means and the religious knowledge to use it against people who are trying to use religion politically. And I think yeah. that that is important to fight. If you really are against um, the, the satanic temple, like, and you want your money to be donated elsewhere, well, I'll fucking do that. I, it's a big pill to swallow for me too, the satanic temple. But I do think that the cause is more important than like the, the mockery of religion. Yeah. And that's really what it is. Like yeah. it, you could call the satanic temple anything you want um, because in the end, it's just an organization standing against the true evil, which is mega churches that make money. Yeah. And, and religious corruption. I'll yeah. read some from the satanic backslash pages, backslash campaigns, go to their page and check it out. Um, they're obviously very transparent. Um, they have a campaign called after school Satan. Um, which I'll read from them, but like paraphrasing, there are after-school programs that are offered to um, kids. Maybe those kids tend to come from um, families that can't, or homes that can't afford like after-school care or daycare. Mm -hmm. And um, in what offering what is disguised as a social program for them ends up being indoctrination into religion. Mm-hmm. And so after school, Satan is the satanic temple coming into schools, offering the same thing, but um, they don't have to learn about God's wrath. Yeah. They get to um, paint and work with tutors and work on, you know, popcorn reading. And it's yeah. an actual after school program. Um the religious reproductive rights is where some states are saying that it is against their beliefs and therefore against the constitution to have access to things like emergency contraception, birth control, and a termination of pregnancy. And this is temple, specifically where we're putting yeah. our money. The satanic temple is saying, well, it is a part of our religious rights that you yeah. do have access to birth control, emergency contraceptive, mm-hmm. and um, termination of pregnancy. And you, by telling us that we cannot, are infringing on our religious freedom since yeah. it is something that we believe in as a part of our religion. Yeah. Um, another one is Protect Children Project, um, where there are Christian or Catholic schools or honestly any religion that allows for um, – punishment i believe the term is corporal punishment um where your teachers are allowed to hit you um or you know just be abused in general by school faculty um the project the protect children project will put the school on notice and go and pays for um representation to help um kids who are being abused Mm -hmm. in school systems um the satanic temple versus scottsdale arizona um, this is about the council's discriminatory invocation. So they do a prayer before they do court proceedings, mm-hmm. which they feel like 
there's a separation of church and state for a reason. And literally bringing in prayer to God, specifically God, Christian God, before a court proceeding is a spit in the face of that, the separation of church and state. And so then they said, if you want to do your prayer before a court, then we would like to come and do our prayer before court. And so obviously they don't want to, you know. The city of Scottsdale, Arizona does not want them to do that. So it's yeah. an ongoing, ongoing court case, basically fronting to say, stop praying to a Christian God before you take a thing to trial. We have the separation of church and state for. It, yeah. Reason. And really what's important is to keep figureheads in religion, prevent them from being infallible. So like, and that comes to religious organizations themselves. Like you can't say that like Presbyterians are infallible or the Catholic church is infallible um, because it gets like really dangerous. And that's why it's important to kind of I like fight fire with fire. Um, it's not like a, I don't know. I don't want anyone to feel like we're shitting on them. I I'll always shit on like mega churches because I do think that they're inherently evil, yeah. but I also think it's important to like question what religion is doing and how it's forming what people are doing. Like are going to after school programs led by churches bad, not really, um, but are going to after school programs that require kids to pay money. And then they use that money for things like conversion therapy, terrible. And it happens all the time. Yeah. Um, even here I in Utah. I think about it. Like um, for the after school Satan, I think about um, if you are a Muslim family and you cannot afford after school care, and the only yeah. option is this this Christian run program that is telling your child that what they believe in is incorrect. Yeah, um, that's not right. I that's I agree. that's yeah. inappropriate, and the school shouldn't support it. You shouldn't be bringing religion into schools. That's a place for education. You can mm -hmm. leave religion for Saturdays or Sundays or at home wherever wherever you do that. And they challenge it by saying, if you're going to do it, then you got to let us do it too. Yep, exactly. And no one so. wants to do that. And that's essentially what they do in all of their campaigns is mm -hmm. using the hypocrisy of where religion has put itself where it shouldn't be and saying, okay, well, then we'll do it now. And then, of course, they say, we don't want that. And then yeah. to say we don't want that legally, they are put, bending the yeah. knee to what they are doing. Um, another good example is the Baphomet statue um, where they put up a – statue of the 10 commandments in front of a capitol building and then of course they were like why is this here again separation of church and state we in a place where people um from around the world around the country of all different religions or lack thereof come to you know have mm -hmm. seek justice or have justice sought upon them we shouldn't be bringing religion into this this should be an even playing field area and they said well we want it here and then they said okay well then we would like our religious iconography displayed here as well mm -hmm. which they did in a giant bronze baphomet and they were not happy yeah so and if if for any reason like you don't like i said if you just message the podcast and say hey i just did a purchase i want my donation to go to a different organization we'll do it no judgment um but if you don't say anything that's where it's going as to the reproductive yeah. rights campaign um, that they're leading but literally take take a look at the stuff they're doing it's incredible also know that it has nothing to do with um god because yeah. they don't believe in one and <laughs> yeah that's it so that's nice. my burp to close out the episode nice so. um now more than ever as i um prepare to lay in my comfy little bed and cozy up knowing that mother Teresa is a rotting skull somewhere in the ground i would like to say hail satan
Hail the real OGs like Noelle's mom. Yeah, I guess hail Amy as well. She's hail Amy. Cool. Yeah, she's dope. <laughs> All right, I guess we're done. Bye. Bye.